0: Welcome to the Why Got Why podcast. This is Peter Englert. We are coming to you from the Browncroft Studios. Browncroft is our host, hence why I'm wearing the jacket that says Browncroft on it. Um, We are so glad to be here. Nathan is our producer. Aaron is my co-host today, our co-host.
1: And I feel like I should have worn my Browncroft uh, I know. sweatshirt also.
0: I know. We are just really struggling today with was, the mic drop. Was that your mic drop moment? It was my that, mic drop moment. Podcast is over? Podcast. Pod- well, I, I don't want this podcast
1: over yet. Anglered out. Anglered out. Okay, so sorry.
0: we have Gage Hunt who's asking a mic drop question Why do <laughs> I love the church? What do you think? Nice transition. Ah, uh-huh, okay. No, that was good. I, I learned from you.
1: Wow. All right. Nice. Well, yes, we're really glad to have Gage on here. Um, man, he's really building it up for you here. Um, <laughs> hey but uh, yeah, it's. I think this is a great. Uh, it's a great topic. I'm really excited to hear um, what Gage has to to say about it, um, and uh, and learning more about about you and your story too. So we'll get to that in a minute, yeah. though. Peter, did you want, what? What else you want to say? Well, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: I, I uh, no, we're glad to have you too. Uh, <laughs> I think where I'm at is, we hear a lot about people being de-churched, and unchurched, and um, whatever church. So, you know, as I've spent time with Gage, who moved up here from New York City, he'll share his story. Like, here's someone that loves church that's in their 20s, and I think we should ask why. And I also want to acknowledge, like, there are legitimate reasons to be upset with a very broken, sinful church, and so we're going to wrestle with that topic, and I think it's something good to wrestle with. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think this is going to be a, a great conversation, and, uh, you know, there's there's all, all, often lots of criticisms um, about the church, and there are some reputations I think churches can get and and sometimes don't do themselves any favors on certain things, and we can dig into that some more, but also I'm, I'm excited to learn about uh, you know, especially from Gage, what are we doing? Right. And, and how do we build on that? <laughs> so anyhow, uh, Gage, I, I just met you today. Yeah. Um, we've, uh, I think I, we've communicated a little bit on social media in the past, but it was kind of like one of those, uh, one of those COVID friends where you meet, <laughs> you meet yep. and you don't, you don't have to actually met in person yet. So we're meeting in person. Yeah. Um, Gage, you know, can, can you tell us a little bit about your story and, and, um, you know, how did you get to this point? How did you get to this podcast today?
2: Totally, yeah. Well, thank you so much again for having me here. Um, this is, in particular, a topic that uh, just means a lot to me. Um, and and I've given uh, a lot of thought over my walk as a Christian. Um, just a little backstory on that, I, I grew up here in town. Um, and actually, I was briefly at a church called Walnut Hill before coming to Browncroft, where I spent... Uh, most of my childhood growing up here Um, and then high school did a lot of time in Young Life which shout out to them great organization Um, but then yeah in college I got involved with a lot of different Christian ministries um, from different parts of the church and went to a couple different churches during my time in college which was uh, just a rich experience getting a better sense of the breadth of the church Uh, which I really appreciated and that was uh, eye-opening and uh, I think encouraging and part of something that was pretty formational for my faith as it's grown. But then as you already mentioned, um, biggest chunk of my adult life was in New York City. Um, I lived there for six years um, and most uh, all of that time I was at the same church. It was a smaller church plant. Uh, One of the years there, I was a pastoral resident and the rest of the time I was volunteer staff member for that church. Um, like I said, it was a church plant and it was in New York City. So as I'm sure most of our listeners know, New York City is a pretty post-Christian place in the US in particular, relative to other places around the country. And so one of the things I appreciate about the city in general is just everyone does whatever they do there intentionally. No one, no one does things half-hearted. And so for church, you know that means if you're at the church, you've you've really worked through things, um, you really care about it, and you're there for a reason, or you're really genuinely wrestling through some difficult questions. Um, and so that time in the city was just a, a rich time of of walking through some of you know the doubts and deconstructions around Christianity, but particularly what the church has looked like uh, throughout history, and you know in our modern times um and learning from that and growing from that and I think um yeah there's so many reasons there's a reason to ask this question why do I still love the church? <laughs> you know, there's things that have made someone that have made plenty of people myself and, and not so many of my friends ask, you know, why? With all that we've seen um on the unfortunate side of the coin coming from the church, why would I still want to engage with it? Um, and so that time in the city was a really meaningful time of of growing through that, and it kinda has brought me where I am here now, back in town in Rochester, and newly back at Browncroft, um, getting involved here, which has been which has been fun.
0: So let me let me just kind of start here. Let's start mm-hmm. with the bad news, then we'll go <laughs> yeah. to the good
2: news. Um, so,
0: you know, church is disappointed people. If you were with your friends, um, you know, they'd say, Gage, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'm okay with Christianity, but I hate the church. That's kind of a common mantra. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're kind of like, Hey, I'm okay with Christianity and I'm okay with the <laughs> church. Um, someone's even say love it. So what, what's really disappointed you? And then even on the flip side, um, you don't represent all your friends, but what are some repeated things that you hear people say, this disappoints me with the church?
2: Yeah. Well, there's, there's too much to say <laughs> for our time, unfortunately. But I think personally, for me, the big things that, that I find frustrating and really try to keep engaging are um, first, just our, um, our disunity or um, fragmentation of the church. Um, I think we see this especially uh, in the modern Protestant church in the West uh, and I think that often betrays a posture or or the idol of perfect knowledge or theological precision um, at the cost of trust in in the face of mystery Um, what we would describe as faith (laughs) or what Christ articulated as the posture of a trusting child uh, who knows they have a loving father um, that's the first thing, but then I think the bigger thing that has been a disappointment with the church has just been how often we've struggled to handle well doubt and deconstruction at a meaningful level. I have been part of leading small groups and spaces in churches I've been part of where I haven't um, made those spaces places where, you know, real doubts and tough questions are welcome and have the room they need. Um, and ironically, I think that's really, as the church, we've kind of, we shoot ourselves in the foot when we do that, mm-hmm. um, because the people, when, when we don't create those spaces in a culture of wrestling through the meaningful tough questions and concerns, um, we push away the people who are asking the tough questions that need to be asked The prophetic questions that the church needs, and then foster a culture of those who remain that's shallow, unchallenged by those questions. Um, So, and that's something, you know, so many of my friends either theologically questioning things or dealing with trauma from the church, uh, from a church they've been part of, uh, not having found that space to really process kind of just slowly walk away um, instead of being the needed presence they could be for the rest of us in the church.
1: So how do we how do we uh, can you can you you've been in a you've been in a a number of churches including a church plant too Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool I'd love to hear more about that too but like so how, how does the church uh, shut down those conversations? And then once you say how, but also why, why do, you think, why do you think there's a tendency towards that?
2: Yeah, I can speak from experience. Like I said, I've led small groups where I haven't created you know, a healthy environment for those questions. Um, and the why, at least for me, was uh, at times an insecurity and fear in the face of, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that right now. And then as a leader of a group, you know, whether you're a pastor or just a volunteer small group leader, um, this, this pressure to be that person's answer um, and to solve the issue, like I already alluded to, kind of the opposite of the posture of a trusting child known knowing they're loved by a by a powerful God Um, so yeah I think the why is mostly fear for losing control of the environment Mm. and letting uh, the tough question doubt or simmer and and that's a lack of faith that there is a meaningful answer even if you don't see it right now Um, or there is that God does have something to respond with Um, yeah i think that for me was a big piece of the why we don't um what was the second part
1: no that was good I was, <laughs> no, no. you answered both i said how and why that was, no, that was great good. Yeah. well <laughs> so gage is a friend
0: so this might be a little bit more conversational i it's funny because as a pastor when someone asks me a theological question mm-hmm. my natural tendency is To give something for them to process. So I don't Hmm. respond to a question without like suggesting a resource. You know, so recently, you know, somebody asked me, you know, a question and it was actually online. And I suggested to them, you know, there's a book company called Zondervan, they Mm -hmm. do this series called Counterpoints. And what I found helpful in my spiritual journey, which was, hey, read this book or listen to this podcast, and wrestle with the different views, because the college I went to, Valley Forge, the professors were really good at, hey, here's the four views, or here's the five views. These are the pros, these are the cons, this is where we lean. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I've done that, and they're like, people are kind of like, no, I just want you to answer my question. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and then there's times where I've failed, and it's like, I've just answered the question, but I've kind of robbed somebody of that wonder. I don't know. I mean, I, is that kind of what you're talking? Cause that my natural, I want you to do the work. You're the one asking the question. I realize I'm a pastor. You know, you realize you both are small group leaders but there's this like, no, I want you to answer it right now. And it's like, well, you're missing this whole problem. I don't know, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I th- I, you know, with anything relationally, if the church is a family, then um, people in the church are brothers and sisters, and it's it's a family dynamic and a healthy family dynamic is um it's a there are mutual relationships of support and edification and challenge and so I don't know <laughs> that I have a opinion on a clear answer. I think it's really important to be compassionate Mm. i think that's the the thing that in fear it's easy to overlook in fear wanting to give an answer not only to that person but to the whole group privy to the conversation to to neglect the compassion of acknowledging whatever they've been hurt by or whatever is really weighing on them and sometimes that means there isn't an answer. Um, sometimes that means when I've seen healthy conversations in small group settings, or, or just group settings outside of you know, a church event or program, um, there's been just a healthy listening, an affirmation mm. of, of what that person's feeling, and a willingness to walk through those questions together. Mm. Um, whether you have a sense of an answer or not, because sometimes you might, and there's a time to share that, absolutely. Uh, Sometimes you might not. Um, But we jump over the process too Mm. quickly. And in doing so, I think both rob them of really being heard and rob ourselves of the process that could be really edifying for us as well.
1: So, yeah, that's a good, I, I really appreciated where you, you were both going with that, that there's value in the conversation itself, rather than just having a mic drop moment like Peter, you know, come <laughs> in, <laughs> mic drop, boom, you got your answer, done, and see you later, anglered out, um, <laughs> but uh, but no, that that's really, I think that's, that's value, because the conversation helps build the relationship too, I imagine, yeah. yeah.
0: That's great. Yeah. So, it sounds like you've had healthy conversations hopefully a couple (laughs) (laughs) well I mean do you remember one
2: specifically that you could you know really delve into oh gosh um well I haven't you know these people that come to mind are not people who um I would say we're, we're not in the same place right now in our relationships with the church so I don't know how specifically I could speak to some of them. Oh, I think, yeah. I think, what? I think
0: I was asking more when you've been in a place of doubt. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. cause it seems yeah, like you've okay. had a positive experience okay. that, mm-hmm. you know, there must have been some people that kind of held space for you.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Gosh. Um, Yeah, you know, as part of your journey, you know, what, uh, what, what, what conversations did you have that helped you keep faith? I mean, either, I, don't, I actually didn't catch this part too. If you kind of lost faith in mm. the church mm-hmm. for a while and then you came back or, um, or there was something bigger about the church, the big C church that, that still attracted you even with all the faults that were there. I mean, what, what was kind of the journey on that?
2: Yeah. Now, I would, in describing my faith journey, I would, even though I grew up in the church, for me, it wasn't really the central thing in my life until late high school, Um, an experience with young life where I was just, I was transformed by seeing Christ's love in others and realized what was offered in Christ. Um, Since then, And and even back then in high school with Young Life and being part of Browncroft and even Rochester Christian Reformed Church a little bit here and there, I had a a fairly ecumenical church experience early on, um, or a fairly broad church experience early on, experiencing different parts of the church. And like I mentioned earlier, that continued in college. And so one of the things I think that was really rich and helpful in that was the formative years of my faith were built on the person and love of Christ, not precise theology from one denomination or the other. And so fast forward into college and my time in New York, faced more than ever with the tough questions of church history, of the holy wars, of um, even modern uh, history and, and it's impossible to avoid the scandals we see on the news, be them financial, um, sexual, whatever, and and just how mixed messages are coming from Christians and coming from the church regarding anything these days. Um, navigating all that. because because of those early years and that experience in late high school really be rooted in the person of Christ and then seeing that diversity of his followers <laughs> um, and health and imperfection all kind of mixed together, gave that a resilience where I wouldn't say I ever fully abandoned the faith or uh, certainly not Christ, though the question of what should the church be and what what should what's the church called to be and look like, has been one that's weighed heavily. And I've been, as we've already discussed, the failings of the church or the the brokenness that we see on display in the church, is something that weighs heavily, and I is is a big um, passion of mine in dressing. And
1: so, can I? Yeah. No, no, go so ahead. You. Uh, you do branding work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I'm not talking about any particular church here, but just like the church. Yeah. Does the church, do you think the church, how does the church live into its brand? and How can we <laughs> do better?
2: Yeah. Well, okay. Um, mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I threw a zinger out there. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, so branding when done well, um, at, at its heart is understanding who you are. And then the design piece of it, really, the identity development is, is articulating that. Um, but mm. the first part is understanding who you are. And so I think, and this is kind of an answer to the former question as well, um, but who is the church? Who do I believe the church is mm. called to be supposed to be for you, for the individual? Um, and this is what's given me a passion and a zeal for the church not just for Christ. Um, I think first, the church really is, is home. The story of scripture, one way to understand the gospel um, is God reconciling his children to himself and each other in the family of God, which is the church. And healthy families uh, are where people amidst all their faults um, see you at best and call out the best in you Mm -hmm. it's where you're known and loved the best and so the family of god when those brothers and sisters are filled by the holy spirit and god's love all the more so is where where we truly find ourselves where we're surrounded by brothers and sisters who can see us who can call out our gifts who can call out our true Identities and callings in life. Um, and then two, the church is uh, a body. Uh, and this is a theme throughout the epistles in particular. Um, but where uh, in, um, uh, in Ephesians and 1 Corinthians in particular, um, the church is articulated as a body, a, a Christ body of members that need each other. Um, not only uh, is the church where our true identity and true calling can be discovered through each other, but it's where we find those people we actually need to live out that calling with. Um, so in far as, insofar as, you know, the church and branding and identity and all that, understanding who it is, is the first step. And in this, in the current era, kind of the post mega church era in the U.S., um, one of the biggest identity crises I think we have is forgetting we have a countercultural way of life to offer the world. Um, and instead, just trying to be accepted and appeal to the world um, and fit in. And we trade edification for entertainment sometimes. Um, and we trade the call of the church, which is to go baptize and make disciples um, for the mission of just attractionally filling seats. So that, I think that's where I'd start <laughs> as far as the the big question of, of identity um, is just remembering the depth and significance of who we are. If we truly believe we have something of divine significance to offer the world let's not treat it like a show or a sitcom, um, or something that needs a, a multi-level marketing plan to get people into. <laughs> well, so I think what I hear you
0: saying, um, and Aaron, I love that question, because um, we're gonna lean into this branding, <laughs> you know, call Donald <laughs> Miller up a story brand. Here, oh we, boy. here we go. So let me see if I'm understanding this right. So like 20 years ago, yeah. 2030, it was seeker sensitive. Mm-hmm. and. I don't want to throw any strategy off the window. It's just times change and the church changed. So back then it was, we are going to have a style to get people to substance. You know, we're gonna right. we're gonna make right. it, and in all the positives. So you'll hear some pastors lambaste the secret, but there was there was a beautiful motivation of. Yeah the more that we can relate to people in their style, that'll give us substance. Mm -hmm. I think, I'm not only, I think this is what I'm hearing from you, but I hear this from (laughs) other people. Give me the substance first, and then we can talk about style. So give me the identity of Jesus, give me the hard stuff, What, what makes a church different and then style's important because of excellence and things like that, but it just seems like there's a shift. Is is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah,
2: yeah. I think uh, the heart of what I'm saying is remember your calling Mm -hmm. and and mission. Um, N.T. Wright has a great little one-liner, which is, and this is a paraphrase, but it's almost exactly, Um, if, if salvation is only about going to heaven there's this awkward uncomfortable stage between baptism and death (laughs) and I think when we forget sometimes when we as the church lean into the numbers game of just being in front of people and forget that in between of the church is actually supposed to be Christ's hands and feet on earth you know Jesus didn't stick around to heal everyone or reconcile everyone in person. He considered it better to go and send the Holy Spirit to fill his family, the church, that, that we might do that, mm-hmm. that we might be his hands and feet. And so um, making disciples um, and, and inviting people into that, the new, um, the family we were created for, Um, is the mission and not just getting people in to, um, you know, see uh, just, just not, not being overly concerned rather about being accepted or in line with the culture of our day, not working so hard to fit the culture of our day but remembering it's a it's a countercultural kingdom of divine significance and deep goodness and meaning that we're inviting people into
0: so why browncroft so why, Brown-
2: <laughs> <laughs> why are you at browncroft why am i at browncroft oh gosh um <laughs> remember you're being recorded i now. know wow <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no for me when i when i uh realized i was moving back to rochester i you know, did the thing where I'm like, okay, well, let me reconnect with churches in town and figure out where I want to try to step back into that those rhythms, those shared rhythms of being at a local church with others. And I think the reason I really landed here was because, one, I had a lot of relational connections here, which was great and exciting to reconnect with. Um, but I really appreciate Browncroft's open-handed posture towards other churches in the city, And other organizations in the city working for the good of the city and the people of it. Um, I think taking a quick glance at cities in town and, or at churches in town and churches I was familiar with, I saw Browncroft demonstrate that really well. Not just that we're building Browncroft's brand and kingdom, but actually trying to participate in that family of God, kingdom of God, uh, with other Christians and other people in the city. Uh, from different churches or um, neighborhoods, that was that was probably the biggest thing. And then I, I also really appreciated the just the multi generational uh, character of the church, which is uh, unique and hard to do. Increasingly so, I think.
1: <laughs> Why do you think that's so hard? Why? Oh, yeah. Gosh.
2: <laughs> well, the obvious answer is you know politics and all that. Mm. Uh, you see a huge divide there, which in so far as the church engages all of that, um, there's gonna be difference and, and it's gonna be hard to, but I think that's what the church is called to be, right? A family that's distinct from other kingdoms, other, um, the agendas and the culture around it and be a family where people best engage each other amidst difference. And with a shared love for God and for each other, with a shared vision for the healing of the world, can engage those things together with love and respect, seeing each other's dignity, um, and fighting for each other's good. But we live in a time that's very polarized and that's not common.
1: Hmm. Well, so I I think there's, you know, there's a lot of different people who listen to this podcast, and some are in the church um, or in a church, uh, in the Big C Church, you know. But there's others who are on the, you know, they're they're wondering about mm-hmm. Christianity. They're yeah. wondering about the church. That's why they're listening to a Why God Why podcast. Um, and um, I think there's probably people in both those categories who can be sort of who who are who have a lot of questions. Um, and so you know it's I think I think you've already expressed some of the concerns that come up um, from a you know what are the the people in the church that I see what are they like or not like against Mm -hmm. what what Mm -hmm. I think they should be Um, but you know what you can talk about the people too what is it about the church that kept kept you Um, fired up to come but or also it doesn't have to just be you but you you interacted with other people I'm sure in the church plant you were part of as well Mm -hmm. as other churches Mm -hmm. you've been part of you know what is it what are some of the good things that um, you think you can say particular churches have done well that you've seen or even just what is the church doing well You can, (laughs) if you want to limit to America that's fine too. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of criticisms there for, for sure that like I said before the church sometimes Churches don't always do themselves favors, but at the same time there's I know there's good things too, at least I see them, but what what do you think?
0: Besides Jesus. Like <laughs> I just, you know, I just want to throw that out there.
2: Yeah. Well, I've listened to this podcast before, so I know we're gonna circle back to the Jesus part at the end. <laughs> uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> but um We appreciate that. That's the cleanup question. <laughs> it's a good one, yeah. But yeah, um in short, kind of why why like why step why engage the church why be part of the church right um more individually um like I you know articulated before I truly think it is where we find ourselves I think it's where God fills our brothers and sisters with his spirit and us with his spirit to encourage each other and draw the best of each other um but also you know building on that um Often, if you're frustrated by the church, as I've been, uh, a big part of that is is a sense of the church's potential, of what it could be and should be, and wanting and being frustrated with the ways the church has contributed to some of the uh, troubles of our time and, and some of the things that are just wrong with the world. Um, but... That's, I don't think those are, that's not grounds to dismiss it. I actually kind of think the opposite. Um, The, how ugly sometimes the church seems is potentially more um, evidence of its significance. Um, The church is God's preferred answer for answering, you know, all the cries for help. Um, for, for answering all that's broken. Um, I think, like humanity, is the kind of the crown jewel of God's creation and, and, and the exhibit of like the most profound works of love and creativity in the world over the rest of creation, but also the source of its ugliest things and wars and hate. So the church, as the family of God, the family of peoples they were made to be, is supposed to be its most powerful force for good, which, which we've seen throughout history in, in bright moments of the church, the church being the one to create the hospital, um, of the church of pastors um, and other believers leading in the social uh, justice movement of the 60s in our country. Um, we also see the church when broken being some of the ugliest you know parts of the world Um, the harm done all the more compounded by the betrayal of it coming at the hands of someone who's supposed to be proclaiming the love of god Um, but again i think that's an exhibit of just how profound and powerful the church is and its profound mission to be the primary source of how god interacts with the world and how he brings renewal to the world um you know jesus again he came and um he died and he showed us his love and he rose and left and sent the holy spirit to fill us to continue his work as the church it is his primary mission and and
1: insofar as we're alive um and before he returns so So what what would so someone who's uh, I appreciate you saying all that because that it was it was uh, I can I can get a start to get a sense of um, what you really value about the church Mm -hmm. and about Mm -hmm. a church. Um, What do you so for for someone who is in that category of like I I don't really know what I think about the church. I'm listening to this podcast because I'm curious about it. But you know. I don't know. Um, what would you say to that person? Um, as like, here's why you should give a church or the church a shot. What are I your guess. top three reasons? Top three reasons.
2: <laughs>
0: um <laughs> well, Create the blog
2: post.
1: Break the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um Gosh, I would say, hey, I know it's it's messy, especially if someone's gone through trauma and that's very real. Um I would say, hey, it's it's not going to be perfect. Um, there's going to be frustrations. Your your leaders are going to fail you, and that's a tough thing when you put. Um, it's so easy to put so much weight in your spiritual leaders. Um, so it's going to be messy, but it's worth it because because truly, that's you. You were made for this. You were made for relationship with others. I think I think it, we're increasingly realizing. In culture, in general, the significance of relationships of depth and meaning and how how needed that is. Um, So many studies have come out just showing the difference in physical health and mental health just by having meaningful relationships in your in your life or not. And so I think we recognize that's really important. And um, the church is, so the biggest thing would be like, <laughs> you, you need this. You were made for this. You were made for meaningful relationship mm. with others. And in fact, I would add, of course, as a Christian um, and someone who believes in God's message throughout Scripture, that that family is one that's not only united with each other, but united with Christ. Mm. Um, that's the, so you were, so <laughs> to kind of summarize things that we've already said, you were made for this uh you need it you need this these relationships um you weren't designed to do it apart uh again that passage i referenced of the body of christ, where paul really articulates the, the body of christ um uh it says actually i think i have it here yeah it says um you know you can't exist without the
1: other parts
2: um Gage
0: being one of our most prepared. I know. I love (laughs) it. I love it. it. He's
1: he's pulling the sheet out. You can't see it on the the audio, but he's uh he is prepared.
2: Oh gosh, you know, I lied. I didn't even I didn't even write that one down. Well, (laughs) I I want to push back on you for a second. Okay.
0: Um, Gage, um, I'm part of a CrossFit community. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I you know, uh, the Atlantic wrote an article, there was an article in The Atlantic a couple years back of actually like your food preferences becoming like the new religion of choice, <laughs> like clean eating and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I, I'm part of virtual reality. Um, you know, I, I do all this, you know, I'm part of a country club. Why do I need to go to the church? These other places won't hurt me as much totally agree with you. Psychology says this. What's so great about the church that I can't find in these other communities?
2: Yeah. Well, I guess that's the uh, part we alluded to earlier, uh, which the short and churchy answer, but the true one is Jesus. <laughs> hmm. um, I, I I deeply believe in the story of scripture and the gospel and what Jesus proclaimed during his ministry, um, which is, we're created by God. He designed us, um, and knows us and knows what, how we were meant to live, knows what the good life looks like for us. And so, um, Jesus, you know, in his, in his ministry and creating, sending the Holy spirit and creating the church, um, is that invitation into the life we were made for, um, in unison with God and with others. Um, a life guided by the Spirit of God who knows us to our core, the life we were made for, who is, who is our, our source and sustainer. And so that's something without which we can have helpful conversations with each other, but not the Spirit of God really <laughs> penetrating our souls uh, and knowing, knowing what we need and knowing the true source of life.
1: An so. eternal value, something substantial. Yeah um, beyond just the day to day. That's, I mean, that's what I'm hearing.
2: Yeah. 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 We weren't made for a meaningful life and friendships and then we die. Right. We were made, the Bible proclaims that we were made for, um, eternal life in unison with God and, and his children. Um, and that's, that's something we, we experience now through Christ and in the church. Um, not, you know, social club detached from that source i
0: want to I want to come back to Aaron's branding question. I know <laughs> we only have a few more questions left, but I think this is like super helpful. So when I listen to you talk about the church, mm-hmm. like there is this rootedness. there's the good, bad and ugly of the history, mm-hmm. but you you're a branding person for the church, <laughs> yeah, like yep. so there's. There's this part of being innovative and mm-hmm. doing new things. And, you know, I guess I'm trying to kind of figure out like the tension, like, you know, I, for our listeners, like, you feel really strongly about communion and like the church <laughs> calendar and um, like just some of these practices that make us rooted. Mm-hmm. But yet you also serve churches on the innovative digital side. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I'm anticipating some listener questions because uh, you and I are millennials, right? Yeah. Okay, Gen Xer. I'm too
1: old to be a we're, millennial. We're, we're, we're gonna <laughs> adopt you in here.
0: So like I love being in church conversations like when someone says, here's how you get younger people. And I'm like, "Yeah." well, I, I are one, um, yeah. but so. How do you manage that tension of, man, I'm branding, I'm, I'm innovative, but I, I also have this deep value and appreciation for some of the rooted practices and identities of the, I mean, how do you manage all that? And I think that's even helpful for, as we engage millennials and gens, you're not a representative, you and me and Aaron aren't representative, but I, I feel like there's a common theme. I don't know.
2: Yeah um oh gosh we could do a whole nother podcast on this um but the 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 short answer would kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier with trading edification for entertainment um i think there is a call for the church to be to to care enough about its neighbors to talk in language that is meaningful um we see this exhibited strongly through the Apostle Paul in the New Testament um, when he's ministering to uh, Jews or when he's ministering elsewhere, you know. And um, so, for the church today, I think it's it is important to to know our to know the our neighbors. Um, to know the things that weigh on their hearts mm. um, to know what what does keep them up at night and the issues that they are passionate about and to be able to engage that meaningfully um, and know and, and and if we are called to the ends of the earth um, to make disciples uh, there there is a, a call to wherever that is be it online or you know during this season of COVID, um, or in person in, in creative ways. Uh, all that, though, needs, can, can be done while forgetting what we've already talked about, that, that root of what we have to offer, mm-hmm. um, and, and forgetting, forgetting the depth and the goodness of uh, the countercultural kingdom that we're proclaiming. Um, A a quick exhibit of this that's uh, been funny for me to see. Funny in a slightly sad way. Um, (laughs) But so many in this whole idea of edification versus entertainment. um, In trying to appeal to a new younger demographic perhaps, uh, so many churches have tried to to look cooler, one way or another. Um, Different churches have done this different ways. Uh, And kind of shot themselves in the foot because they didn't really do the work beforehand of knowing people well. And for example, right now, a lot of churches are still in that weird transition point of kind of mega church era, um, high, you know, um, production, very, you know, flashy and, and eye catching in their attempts, but then trying to reconcile that with. Currently, a culture that's not looking for that—millennials um, and younger—looking uh, for something that's off, trying, taking what they're doing seriously, um, not showmanly. That is allergic to any any vibe of inauthenticity, um, and I think I think we we always run that risk when we try to appeal to this. Um, Broad understanding or oversimplification of an audience, without without knowing them well, without um, sitting with and um, spending the time to uh, know know those neighbors, um, and, and and also know perhaps the neighbors we're called to. Um, so many churches. This actually answers a big piece of the branding side of the coin. So many churches are trying to be the church they're not. And potentially the church God never called them to be Um, that first step is understanding who God's called you to be and um, called you to um, and then living into that not imitating someone else's ministry
0: so when are you gonna write your book I felt like we just went to seminary class with you today you know. and I'm a pastor. Um, last two questions. This, mm-hmm. this one's a quick one. All right. Um, so with the world reopening, you know, you're, let's yeah. say you're sitting down yeah. with me. Why should I even come back to church in person? You know, why, you know, if I'm online or if I'm in a small group and, you know, why should I show up on Sunday? What are your thoughts on that? In person, I should say, because we know that people totally. show up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've already started to jump in there. We, we were kind of hitting on why should I go to church in the first place? Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of like, okay, well, let's say that someone has tested it out a little bit. Yeah. Why should they why should they try in person?
2: Yeah. Hmm. Um. Just, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but... <laughs> Yeah, you need it. It's going to be hard and it's going to be awkward, especially now. This is such a weird time to try to show up to a crowd of people you don't know and be like, "Is okay, I'm double vaccinated. Can I take my mask off? Like, (laughs) how how do you feel? It's going to be weird and awkward. And I I especially feel for my introvert friends amidst all that. Um, And I pray that us in the church can be very sensitive and welcoming to all of these things. But um, it's it's, so it's going to it's going to be tough, but it's worth it. It's really worth it. Even, I do believe, and we didn't have time to talk a lot about this, but um, there's something meaningful to uh, communal practice. Mm. Things like coming together for prayer and for worship and for communion. And um, then, of course, all we've talked about already, just in, in building those relationships with others where we're edified um, and where the best of us is called out by God's spirit meeting us and someone else.
0: Hmm. Well, that takes us to our last question. Um, were you gonna throw one
1: in there? No, we can finish, we I was just, I don't know. Yeah, sure, I'll throw one in there. Go that's ahead. One I've been thinking about. Uh, we're, yeah. we're
0: really building chemistry, I like this. No, it's you know, good, you know, it's good.
1: Peter and I have had a few podcasts together now where we're <laughs> learning how to read each other. While we're, we're learning
0: on the fly, folks. That's <laughs> right,
1: that's right. Um, they got matching glasses for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Sure. Well hey, Peter said he's getting new ones so I think he's going to match mine pretty mm-hmm. soon but um yeah so you know you you have you've dug in a bit onto the relationship and how important that relationship side of church is mm-hmm. um and there's a and there is a value to that family and there's an eternal value to that family um how about just you know someone you know what do you what do you love about church that's I think sometimes sometimes people think that church can get a criticism of being uh, you can hear all the criticisms that are in the world about um, people who have have failed one way or another or mm-hmm. who have mm-hmm. you know broken someone's trust or but what about just like is the is there something about the church you think is fun like I feel like a lot of people just think the church is boring and it's I don't think that sure. but that's kind of the the impression I think some people have just something as simple as that what, do you, what yeah. would you say to that yeah yeah, absolutely, um, and we, we we did touch on it a little bit, um, but
2: the church is the most, not only the most significant mission in the world, it's the most exciting mission in the world. A group of people united by love for God and for each other has the potential, and we have seen this in history, we've seen the church launch countless humanitarian organizations that are doing the greatest healing in the world. Um, you know, we, world vision uh, is an easy example. Um, and it, when you're, when you're even, even with people you're not in close proximity with relationally, you're united around this vision for really realizing God's beautiful, striking design for, for the world. Um, and that's fun. And that's exciting and and the gospel you know you'll hear this from rob on sundays and other episodes of this podcast i'm i'm sure um but the gospel is god's invitation to a life of freedom and abundance and living that out with others and bringing that to the world is really fun and exciting Mm. um and celebrating that together you know in worship and um, other fun rhythms of, of living in that freedom and abundance together and coming up with creative ways to love and serve our neighbors outside of formal church programming. When I was in um, college, my first year here in town, um, I lived with a couple Young Life leaders, and we kind of just walking through Scripture one afternoon, uh, we wrestling with um, uh, the passage that talks about uh, you know what what does um, uh, what is the kind of Sabbath God asks of us? Um, and the the reference is eluding me at the moment, but um, you know it's it's a passage where the answer um, God gives is to clothe the naked, to feed the hungry, um, and to set free the prisoners and so as friends living in an apartment together, we're like huh, what? You know, we had been leaning into trying to to Sabbath well and um, set aside time for prayer and devotion, and and you know this passage stuck out. I'm like, oh gosh, that's th- this is challenging. And but it was genuinely fun to then sit down together and be like, well, what what do we do? And we're young guys in college. We don't know what we're doing. And We're like, I think we've seen some homeless people in this neighborhood. Uh, let's let's go pick up some. Uh, what do we do? We did like one of the 30 packs of chicken nuggets from McDonald's. <laughs> it was so goofy. Um, but trying to figure out together how to, how to care for those people God has put around us. Um, and we, we didn't do so perfectly or, you know, terribly well necessarily, but it was fun together, figuring that out, being able to live as poor college students. Um, and but with a sense of that abundance and joy, figure out what it what it looks like to follow God and His invitation in that moment. There's a whimsy that we don't talk yeah. about with the church,
0: and you know, and I fault pastors because <laughs> pastors aren't necessarily naturally creative or a little bit more <laughs> scholarly, and and and, and that's kind of why we need everybody in the church because there's there's a whimsy and and i think we've all probably experienced this where like there's this huge need and all of a sudden like the best ideas emerge and the church executes and the church serves and and there's this electricity because you realize that like god brought the right people together to deal with the right problem being who we were created to be so i i think that's what is that what you're saying
2: yeah yep there's nothing more exciting or powerful than people filled with the spirit and the love and creativity of God energized together to to be his hands and feet mm-hmm. I think.
0: hey we're gonna close with uh, the question you already mentioned <laughs> you know what does Jesus have to say about this topic so who's going first near you because because I... Gage is gonna clean it up
1: yeah yeah no we I hope. think that's I think that's wise I think <laughs> <a good prayer. laughs> I think we need a, I think we, we, we need a little cleaning up today, so I think that'd be <laughs> no sense. No, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd go first if you want.
0: Man, you do, you do it, man. All right. I, I love it. Go right out.
1: Um, no, I loved that, that last, that last uh, interchange here, and, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, because I, 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 I agree. I think there's, there's an excitement um, in the church, and if it's not exciting, if it's not, Amazing to see how what how the Lord does things and gives us a mission to do and we're we're probably doing something wrong and should should uh, Listen to those who aren't sure if they want <laughs> you know what I mean, but um, Yeah, I think I think uh, I think Jesus wants us to be in church. Um, I know he wants us to be he he created his church he um, He died on the cross so that we could become a church family and be united to him and united to each other. Um, so, you know, the church is a precious, precious thing to him and um, when we rightly are in it and understand it, it is to us too, I think we just need to remember who's and, you know, who's we are, yeah, whose we are is the, that's, I think we, you were alluding to, Gage, is we kind of get, we get lost sometimes um, when we when we are, when we're not remembering that whose we are, that we're Jesus, mm. that we're God's um, church. And so, yeah, and I hope that everything else <laughs> from that will stem stems from that and would be a place that people do want to feel welcomed in and uh, feel challenged in, um, in, a, in a, something that has eternal substance to it. So yeah, what do you got, Peter? That's my two cents. That was pretty good. Um, Maybe a five cents.
0: Five cents, uh, right. well, give yeah, it we'll, give it, we'll give it 10. <laughs> um. So, so there's there's this verse in Galatians six that says, "Carry each other's burdens." And you know that song is loosely the inspiration for the classic "Lean on Me." Um, <laughs> if you know that song, um, but the reason that that verse comes to mind for this question, why do I still love the church? Whether you go to church or not, whether you know you're a skeptic or you're dechurched, Galatians is a great book to read. Because the first five chapters is about how messy and terrible the church is. Like, Paul is writing this letter because there's a group of Christians that think that they're elite that are ostracizing other Christians because they're not doing the same thing. You know, maybe in our day, they're not voting the same way, they disagree on certain issues, and there's this rift in the church. And Paul closes with this carry each other's burdens. And and I think about that. Paul spoke truth, he spoke life, you know, we talked about the fruit of the spirit. And as I've been wrestling and processing with this question, you know, it's there's something about being with people that you wouldn't choose to be with unless God puts you together with them that changes you. You know, I was I was thinking about John Plank Plake who we had from the American Bible Society did a study with Harvard about people during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it was a clear difference that people that were connected to a church were less anxious, they were less worried, they were less depressed. Yeah, um, You know, we can cite Pew studies, and it's because of that little verse, carry each other's burdens, that when the love of God has transformed you, it transforms each other, uh, transforms the people around you. And I just kind of think why I still love the church. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little trite here, but I'll never forget the one Sunday I saw an Ohio State football fan sit with a Michigan football <laughs> fan and I said to myself, the gospel must be real. And, and 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 I joke about that, but there are all those certain things that our greatest allegiance, yeah. our greatest, um, our greatest citizenship is in heaven and everything else is secondary
2: yeah that's good uh yeah closing thoughts i you know as i was praying about this question last question in particular i think the things that were brought to mind was um and i'll kind of using two of jesus parables to articulate it um And hopefully, of course, we've been talking about this the whole time. (laughs) What does Jesus have to say about this question? Um, But yeah, just in closing summary, uh, I think what Jesus would say to each of us is this. um, You know, the church is my bride, um, and I love her, and, um, you know, I've created you to be part of it. Um, I know it's let you down. I know your brothers and sisters are imperfect. Um, I know you've been hurt, but I think he would say to us, come home. He says, I'll come as the good shepherd to find you in the wilderness when you're the one of the ninety-nine who's wandered off. But he comes to bring you back to the flock. Um, and then in the parable of the two sons, or uh, the prodigal son, as it's more often called, uh, we see the the younger prodigal son leave home, and then come back, and the father welcomes him in. Um, and Tim Keller, among amongst others, has articulated well the story of the elder son in that parable, who is is very half-heartedly present there in the father's home. But full well-knowing the elder son's half-hearted presence, he still wholeheartedly, the father still wholeheartedly welcomes the younger son home. Um, and so I think that's his call to us.
0: It's a great place to end. We're going to be Tag and gauge. Is there anywhere you want people to reach out to you? Figure out. I,
2: uh, Instagram's great. Facebook. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> Snap face. Anyways. Uh, R Hunt is the instant, not Gager. It looks like Gager. <laughs> But R is the middle initial anyway. As
0: as someone with a lot of
2: terrible nicknames, I can appreciate that. <laughs> so
0: um, make sure you subscribe to our email by going to ygodypodcast.com That's the best way to stay in touch with us. I also encourage you to share this episode with a friend, whether you're D-Church or Unchurch. This is a great episode to have a conversation with. Thank you so much for joining us.